Center Ice. My name is Mac Vincent here with Matthew Maynard. As always, it's been a while. Um, there hasn't been a lot of news with regards to the NHL. I mean, there's been some kind of minor trades. There, there's been some salary-related trades that nobody really cares about. Of course, Lucic somehow <laughs> build Ken Holland a statue. Like, seriously? I realize that maybe he hasn't done the best job so far with Edmonton. It's only been a few months. The fact that he was able to move Milan Lucic is a minor miracle. And the Calgary Flames, I never got. I still don't get the Calgary Flames. I can't believe the Flames did that. I know James Neal had a rough year in Calgary, and I can get why they want to get rid of that contract. But at the same time... You're going from James Neal, who has the potential to put up some points for you, to Milan Lucic. Yeah, and James Neal didn't have nearly as many years left as Lucic. It was just kind of one of those things that, you know, we were talking earlier uh, this summer about potential landing spots for James Neal, and we talked about, I don't know, maybe a swap of like Louis Erickson for James Neal or other bad contracts around the league. But I don't think anybody thought that the Oilers were ever going to move that Lucic contract. So I think once again, this this proves to me and, and I think to everyone that there's no contract out there that's unmovable. There are, there are GMs and owners out there that will roll the dice and i don't know why but like i said the calgary flames have saved the oilers in this case and here's the thing i think it's a risk worth taking if you're ken holland because of course you get rid of that horrible lucic contract and you've got a a similar contract but as you mentioned it's much shorter mm -hmm. and you've got the potential of milan luch sorry uh, james neal James Neal playing with McDavid, yeah, maybe? Yeah. It's, there's some real potential there. And back on Milan Lucic, there is some potential for him in Calgary. But the ceiling, I think, is much higher for James Neal in Edmonton than it would be for Milan Lucic in Calgary. Yeah. And it's a very odd deal. This kind of Once the free agent frenzy passed, it's really been a bit of an odd summer, huh? Yeah, because it's, it's almost as if we're just playing a waiting game, like, once all these RFAs sign or maybe one of them gets traded, things will happen. But really, it, it has been such an odd offseason because you had so much activity at the draft. There were several trades, you know, teams moving up and moving down, um, which was interesting. Obviously, no big trades until I think it was day two. And then you had some of the bigger trades happen later on, like, you know, Barry and Kerfoot for Kadri and Rosen, for example. But really, free agency came and gone. And the first day of free agency, I think it was something like over 200 signings. Oh, and the least. second day was like five. <laughs> and then since then, we've just been playing the waiting game with these RFAs. Like, what are they going to sign for? When are they going to sign? You had the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet, which was pointless looking back and all these RFAs remain unsigned. I mean, you're talking about an all-star roster of RFAs that are still unsigned. Miko Rantanen, 
Braden Point, Matt Kachuk, Mitch Marner, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine, Brock Besser, Charlie McAvoy, Provorov, and Warensky. That's just naming a few. It, so, like, I think the, the other thing that happened that I think we need to talk about is the Minnesota Wild relieving Paul Fenton of his duties as general manager. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I look back at his tenure, short tenure as GM, I didn't understand a single move he made. No, the Wild really aren't in any better of a position than they were 12 months ago. I mean, you sold, right, you sold extremely low on Charlie Coyle, who had an outstanding playoffs for his hometown Boston Bruins. Same thing with Granlund, although I think you did get two young players back, but still, those were just kind of, they, were they, they seem like rushed moves where you were selling extremely low on a guy like Charlie Coyle, who was a first-round pick. You know, this is the guy who you thought was going to be a lot more than he was, but maybe he just didn't fit in Minnesota. He absolutely flourished with Boston. I I believe that he's going to get into the prime of his career with them and, you know, maybe really turn his career around because, again, Charlie Coyle, first-round pick, always had excellent potential. And then Groundland was a very odd situation, and I think there were some eyebrows raised when he was traded he was traded just as his wife was in labor can you imagine that that would be horrible huh the baby's coming you get a text hey you're you're gone (laughs) (laughs) that's you know that's tough and he never really did find his footing with nashville because i mean you're it's such an extreme change you go from a a cold kind of canada-like climate in minnesota to Nashville and a Nashville team that was really kind of on its last legs as a top playoff contender. And David Poyle chose to make these two big moves at the deadline. They didn't work out obviously, but the Minnesota wild, I mean, I don't know. Like I remember that kind of misfits Minnesota wild team that, uh, had a good run with Dwayne Rollison, Wes Walls, that Andrew was Brunette. A long time that was ago a now. fun team to watch, but that was a long time ago. And like you said before the show, ever since they signed those huge contracts, Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter, they have just been on a downward trajectory ever since. And they've never been able to get over that second round hump. They really they get to the second round and people think, okay. Now this they've got the moves, they've got the goaltending, and then they just fall off. And you know what? The Minnesota Wild are they're in the awkward position where they're not good enough to contend for the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to tank. And exactly. I think, I think they're going to be in that situation for the next few years. And don't forget, they've still got those long-term deals for the next few seasons. And mm-hmm. You did mention how pretty much any contract is movable, but those oh, are well, two they, huge. I mean, Parisi, <laughs> I don't think you're moving that one. No. I mean, f- for a couple of reasons. Number one, Zach Parisi has been extremely underwhelming since his first few years in Minnesota. And, you know, he's had some injury issues. But I was reading a graphic, like, I want to say a month and a half ago or something. Um 
it was around July 4th, and I think it was NHL and NBC, they tweeted out the top uh, American point scorers in the last, I think it was 10, 15 years. And Zach Parisi was near the top of that list. And I was like, man, I looked at his career earlier when he was with New Jersey and his first few years in Minnesota. This guy was dynamite. And then since then, injuries and consistency. I mean, the team's obviously not great. He has just been a really terrible contract for the Wild to deal with. The way I look at Zach Parise's career, and it may may not be completely fair, but I look at Zach Parise before the 2014 Olympics and then after. Mm. And I'm not saying the 2014 season. I'm just saying you notice the downward trend kind of after that, don't you? At least from when I look at his career. It started with the injuries. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you know injuries, injuries can do two things. Number one, they can, you know, make you question your ability. And that can lead to a lot of other stuff like question your confidence. And to me, I haven't seen a determined, confident Zach Parisi since his first few years in Minnesota. Like just, he just, he's kind of a shadow of his former self. And we've talked about this with other players before, um, players that are just on a downward trajectory. And to me, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we know that the owner of the Minnesota Wild demanded those guys be signed because they're kind of hometown guys. And I don't think you can blame the GM for that specifically. Well, in short term, the first two, three, four seasons after those deals were signed, people were looking at those deals and saying they were pretty good. But as you go on and on and injuries start hurting Parise mm-hmm. and the team doesn't meet the expectations that the fans have, yeah. The more and more you can look back on those deals and say they were not good deals. And the other thing with Minnesota is they haven't really drafted well. Like, how many guys can you name that Minnesota has drafted and developed that have turned out to be really good players? Not that I can think of. Can you? Not, I mean, for example, Brent Burns, they traded to. Um, San Jose. And that's where he really blossomed in San Jose. And right. It took him a while to figure out if he was a defenseman or a forward. And they actually played him uh, at both until he figured out that he could be like the best offensive defenseman in the game. And he's give him credit. He's developed into an absolute monster on the back end. Like I think as far as offensive defensemen go, I'm pretty sure that the, um, the San Jose Sharks have the two best offensive defensemen in the game. Oh, without a doubt. Which is crazy, right? Oh, yeah, and they're both going to be there for a long time, too. Yeah, yeah. Now, will we look back on the Carlson deal like we have with the Parisi deal? Maybe. That's the thing with the long-term deals is you can't judge them short-term. Right. So it's you, it's you. But, again, when the deal was signed, there were – every single NHL team was interested in Parisi. They didn't know – that he was going to have these injury issues and consistencies, et cetera. I mean, this is a guy who was a top-level free agent. He was an all-star. Yeah, he he was an Olympian. Like you said, he was an all-star. He really you look helped. back at the prime of his career, he was one of my favorite players to watch. When I remember his time in New Jersey, particularly in the playoffs. He would just go up to another level. He was incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
The thing is with those long-term deals, it may sound cliche, but that's the risk you take with those long-term yeah. deals yeah. in any sport. And sometimes they work out. I find quite often they don't always live up to the expectation that fans have when you sign those deals. But here's the thing. If your team wins, nobody's going to care. Right. That's but the they haven't won anything, and I don't exactly. think they're going to win anything for exactly. a very long time. Exactly. Look at look at the Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> Just to switch sports for only a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan over the past 12 months, but they won the championship. So I right. don't, I don't see a lot of people complaining about that. Right. And we can get into that later. Mm. But that, that's just a prime example of, yeah, you took a big risk by trading or signing this guy. But if you win it, nobody's going to care. They're just going to say, we won the championship. Exactly. And to be honest, when they made those moves, the Minnesota Wild were in a position to be a very good team. But again, it, like if you if you look at the trajectory of this Minnesota Wild team, they have made some moves to kind of stay relevant and stay just kind of in the playoff picture. But they've never I've never looked at the Minnesota Wild as a team that I feel is particularly dangerous. They've always just kind of been good. You know they're good, but they're not at that level where you can say, this is a team I'm really worried about facing round one and mm -hmm. on, you know? Hey, I remember when they played the Jets a couple seasons ago, and I don't know of anybody that said Minnesota is going to win this. No. Uh, not even Wild fans I knew had <laughs> much confidence in their team winning because yeah. they knew their team was on a downward trend, and they were a bubble team for most of the year, and they were going up against a real – that Jets team – was incredible. And I think if it wasn't for Marc-Andre Fleury, they would have really given the Capitals a run for their money in the final. Not taking anything away from what the Knights did that season. Yeah. But the Jets were... I really do think they were the third best team in the playoffs. And the only reason why they aren't second best oh, is Marc-Andre Fleury and the Knights ra rallied. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the Wild, they... They gave them a solid effort. I mean, they were they were in the series, but again, they didn't really. When you face an elite team like the Winnipeg Jets, who the other thing about Minnesota that is very telling of kind of their state is, if you look at their roster right now, how many of those guys have they drafted or traded for? Not very many. And if you look at all the best teams in. Well, I don't, certain sports, it doesn't really count because, you know, there's more money flying around. But if you look at all the best teams in hockey, almost all their players have been drafted or traded for. Hmm. That's just how it is. That That's how a well-ran organization and, does it. And to me, if you a contending team, and you can look at the pattern, they, they draft and develop, they trade for players, and then at the deadline or – any other time, like free agent frenzy, you make a few small moves to shore up that depth. Yeah. Those are the teams that end up winning the Stanley Cup. The teams that don't... I find a lot of the times the teams that don't make the big moves are the ones that end up winning. Yeah, usually. I mean, I think... There are cases where that's happened, but... Right, right. And if you want to uh, point a couple of examples, you could look at teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning and the San Jose Sharks and the Boston Bruins. These are teams that... Like you said, they rarely make a big, risky move. When they do, 
you know, it's, it's either a mistake and you, you figure it out, you move past it. You know, if you look at Boston, yeah, they made a couple of mistakes. They signed David Backus, they signed Bolesky, but everything else since Don Sweeney took over has been outstanding. I mean, they've drafted well, they've developed their players well, they've created a winning organization and they've been a contender. And the Sharks and the Lightning, again, these are teams that draft and develop. They protect their picks. Uh, rarely do they make a big move unless they really feel it's worth it. And they've kept their windows open for years and years. And uh, let's not forget, when they make those big moves, they're pretty good at keeping most of their prime picks. Just prime example, Eric Carlson trade, where let's uh, let's be honest here, the Sun should have gone a lot more back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of Sens fans will say, well, Eric Carlson was hurt, so we still won the deal. But did we really? I don't think so. We gave up the best defenseman yeah. that the Sens have ever had for a couple middle-of-the-pack players. And Josh Norris is turning out to be a pretty decent prospect, but he's not a he's not a Brady Kachuk. He's not a Colin White. Right. I think he'll end up being a solid prospect and a solid player, but... He's not worth it for Eric Carlson. No. But so but that's just credit to teams like the Sharks and the Bruins and the Lightning that can make those types of moves but keep their main core intact. Yeah. Um yeah, so we we wanted to talk about Minnesota. I mentioned Tampa Bay. How about Andre Vasilevsky signing that big contract extension and I think absolutely well worth it i mean you're talking about a guy who's in the prime of his career he he's extremely durable and he's obviously in freakishly good shape if you see some of the saves this guy makes all the those like behind the back saves he made this year and um i think my big question with that is how the heck are they going to sign Braden point now you've just basically given Vasilevsky max money and Braden Point based on what other players are getting is probably going to demand 11 12 and he's probably worth that I don't know if they're going to be able to sign him by the start of the season I don't think so not the rate things are going yeah they got rid of Callahan's contract which will help a lot but that's still his contract won't make up enough to get him signed. And Brain Point's not going to sign for $5 million. Everybody knows that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And we're seeing a lot of that now. After uh, Nylander last season, there's a lot of RFA holdouts this year. You mentioned off the top of the show just a few of the names. And a lot of these look like they aren't going to end anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, these guys are, like, I think the the Leafs, they made a minor trade with the um, Vegas Golden Knights where they traded Garrett Sparks uh, for David Clarkson, who they're going to stash on LTIR, <laughs> which what I thought was hilarious, by the way. That was a hilarious And trade. it's basically cap circumvention, but it's, it's, a, it's a loophole that the Leafs have found and other teams have found to create more cap space oh, because you've basically of, given away a contract, taken a contract that you can immediately put on LTIR to start the season. And it's basically buried. I'm going to let you finish, but yeah. the Sens are the best at using that loophole. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you they, actually look at the Sens. Staying and, and at the cap, cap floor, yeah. And cap-friendly 
and ESPN did some research into this mm-hmm. last night, actually, and I wanted to bring it up, is if you disclant, if you get rid of Clark MacArthur, Ryan Callahan, and Marion Gabrick's contract, first, if you combine all three of those together, they're the highest paid line on the team, and they aren't even playing. <laughs> Secondly, if you get rid of all three of those players on their, on their cap hit, I think the Sens are only at fifty million dollars for players. It's, but not even. I think it's forty-eight point seven. And the big three in Tampa Bay combined get more money than the Sens are going to pay for their entire roster. Yeah. And there's been calls for the NHL to close that loophole, based on what the Sens are doing. I don't know if they will. I don't think they will, but I can see where people are coming from. Yeah, I mean, teams have definitely figured out how to kind of get around, you know, either being near the cap floor or being at the max cap. I mean, and there is an argument to be made, especially for— Whereas the- before, I think, um, when the cap was first implemented, teams had no idea how to waver around it. But, you know, slowly you figure it out. You've hired these people you call capologists who are basically experts— at finding loopholes and getting the most value for your dollars under the cap. Mm-hmm. And these signing bonuses, these are That's these are weird. The yeah, the, the like for example, uh, Gusev, who we'll talk about in just a second, his contract is basically all signing bonuses. Well, so is his Austin salary is not high. Uh, Austin Matthews is as well, and I think it's a trend we're going to start seeing. Oh yeah, because it, again, it it allows you to. You, there's a loophole sports that contracts NHL are changing. GMs are using. I really think sports contracts are changing now. We're seeing a lot more creativity in the way these contracts are being structured. You know, ones that are heavy on front end, low on the back end, heavy signing bonuses and easy performance bonuses and things like that. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago in the NFL that Russell Wilson is the first NFL player who has his contracts tied to the salary cap. And I still think we're going to see a lot more of that in sports because it really is an ingenious idea. If you're the best athlete in your sport, and I'm not saying Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL because I don't want to deal with that with all the fanboys for the NFL. I'm if, not if I'm not one, a big NFL guy, and I know that's not true. If there's one sport I know less than basketball, it's <laughs> NFL. And anyways, if you're a Connor McDavid and you sign a deal – Right now, which he did a couple years ago, you know, by the time that deal's over, he may be, he will be an even better player, but he's not going to make as much money as some of his counterparts. So why not find a way to link your contract so that every time the cap goes up, let's say 3%, your money goes up 3%. Hmm. Now, with the NHL being a strict cap league, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to come in. Very I mean, that's quickly. the other thing. Like, like Wilson's probably getting what 25 30 million oh, at least and again like there's much more money to throw around in football than there is in hockey like the highest play- paid player in hockey makes just over 12 million hmm. i think it's something like that it's it's very modest compared to other sports hmm. when the, always has been and compared to other sports the nhl's cap is much stricter mm-hmm. than i'd say the other three sports leagues you know, in the NBA, you've got an MLB, you've got your luxury taxes. Yeah. And in the NFL, there's a lot of ways you can circumvent the cap. Oh, yeah. So basically, the cap doesn't exist, <laughs> particularly in Major League Baseball. Oh, the luxury tax. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> to, 
<laughs> to teams like the Yankees and Red Sox, it's just an extra expense they pay. Basically, yeah. So, um, and I want to get into Major League Baseball later because lots has happened in the MLB. Oh boy. Uh, oh well, we stay tuned for the rant. <laughs> yes, I can see. Oh, we are some depressed. I don't even know if I'm a Jays fan anymore, to be honest, because I just I can't deal with this. Can you hold it in for a few more minutes? We still got lots of, still got some hockey. Yeah, we got we got we got hockey to talk. I wanted to get your thoughts on one deal that uh, took place just after Independence Day. Um, interesting because it's basically two good young players switching spots. Alex Nylander traded to Chicago for Henry Yokoharu. Huh. Yeah, that that is an interesting deal. I think that you're right. It's two good players switching places. I think it's one it's one of those deals where they'll both fit in better with their new teams, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think that's a, cha- I think a that's change fair. of scenery type trade, right? Yeah. Where we'll give you this guy who we know you want and you can give us this guy, right? And you don't often see those types of deals. It's almost a 50-50 deal, don't you think? Yeah, these aren't these don't happen very often. I mean, once in a while a team will say, "Okay, we need this and we need that." And it just so happens that there are players that you're possibly willing to move that are good young players um and they haven't quite hit their prime yet. They haven't really scratched the surface of their NHL potential and it just so happens that you know, the GM calls, he says, how about this for this? And you just say, yeah. I mean, to me, this is one of these deals that... Um, I think it'll benefit both teams. It should, because, like I said, these are similar players. I mean, Yokoharu, a little more NHL experience. Uh, but, again, he was kind of uh, a borderline player with the Blackhawks, especially since Eric Gustafson emerged as a offensive defenseman for them. Um, and I think they, they made some moves. Obviously they got Mata, they got the Han and they just said, you know what? We don't have room for this guy. We would like to pick up a forward. And I think Nylander is probably going to start with the Blackhawks. And speaking of the Blackhawks real quick, I'm very intrigued by the Blackhawks right now going to next season because not only do you have like Patrick Kane, you've got Robin Leonard on a really good deal. You've just improved your defense. Jonathan Taze is, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan Taze, Taze, you know what he's going to do every year. He's going to be great defensively. You don't know how many points he's going to put up. Um, to me, that's a team that it, I'm looking at the West um, and they're intriguing. I think, I would probably put them in the playoffs next year, personally. I would put them on the bubble at the very least. Yeah. I think it depends on how they are out of the gate. Uh, I want to see them play a few games first before I come to my prediction because they're a t- tough team to predict. Fair I enough. Th- I think there are a lot of – there's going to be a lot of bubble teams in the West next year. I think you could put Arizona in that one, Chicago. Yeah. I think – you know, Dallas, there's going to be a lot of teams fighting for those two wild card spots. And it's too early for us to make a solid prediction on how the Hawks will do. But I certainly wouldn't count them out. I think they've quietly had one of the best off seasons yeah. this, this season. Like you said, quietly. They, they haven't really done anything big. They've just made kind of good, solid moves that have just improved the team. They haven't. You know, they didn't go and overspend on a free agent like Kevin Hayes. They let somebody else do that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that's how the Hawks have been successful. They 
they make the silent, quiet moves to slowly improve their team. Well, I mean, like we talked about, Stan Bowman has learned that you don't need to sign that big free agent, even though it can be tempting. And, uh, you know, sometimes the fans will push for that. But I think if, if you talk to Blackhawks fans right now, they are tremendously excited about the upcoming season for the Blackhawks. So let's talk about Gusev. Uh, Nikita Gusev traded to New Jersey. New Jersey continues to make lots of big moves for um, They're the exact two draft picks. Of Chicago. Yeah, a third and a second round pick. Uh, he was traded from Vegas. So let, the Devils, to me, are a team that I'm I'm intrigued by, but I think there's one thing that I'm not convinced about, and that's the goaltending. I look at the team and I say they are much better than they were last year. I mean, Jack Hughes is going to make the team. You've got P.K. Subban, probably a healthy Taylor Hall. Uh, I think the, the guys that were on the roster last year are not – representative of what they're going to be this year. They basically played with an AHL squad for the second half to get that draft pick, which they did. Um, to me, it, it, it's going to come down to the goaltending. I believe that the rest of the team is much better. Can Corey Schneider and Mackenzie Blackwood fortify the goaltending for this New Jersey Devils team? And I don't know. I'm... But I will say this. I mean, they're definitely – I think they're probably better than Columbus now. Um, And before we wrap up on NHL stuff, I want us to re-rank the teams in the East and the West based on off-season moves. All right. So what do you think of the – like, what did you think of the the moves the Devils have made, and do you feel like maybe they're a playoff team this year? Hmm. Well, it, once again, it's a tough call to make this early on, but I think they'll be a playoff team. However, it won't be an easy one because everyone knows consistently the Metro is a very competitive division. And I think that it really comes down to the goaltending, as you said. If the goaltending is average, I think they're a playoff team. I, I'm not going to say they're a high playoff seed, but with average goaltending, I think they can do it. If they get above average goaltending and everybody plays to their strengths, well, then the Devils are a team you have to watch out for. Yeah. But there's a lot of ifs in that. I, I mean, yeah, I just I just feel like they've put themselves in a really good position. And um, the goaltending is really the only question I have. I mean, I feel like they've got a good forward group now. Uh, Taylor Hall doesn't have to do everything himself. There's less pressure on a kid like Nico Hishier, who had a very down year by, I think, I think his standards after having a really good rookie year. And the Devils were a great story last year, not as in last year that just happened the year before. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this rubs off on other players. But I think Ray Shiro has made it clear to Taylor Hall and to other players on the Devils that he's serious about winning and that he's willing to make big moves to make this team better. And I think people were wondering if that was going to happen because he was doing a very slow rebuild with New Jersey. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm excited for all three New York teams next year Hmm. because even though the Islanders lost Leonard, they're still a very good team. And 
Varlamov is a solid goaltender. I think that with the Rangers on the rise rapidly, same with the Devils, and the Islanders having a solid season next year, it's going to be fascinating watching all three teams in New York. Yeah. And yeah, I, I there think... There could be a scenario there where all three New York teams are in the playoffs. That would be crazy. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it's happened in a long time. I don't remember the last... Well, I'm just mm. trying to think. I mean, I'm thinking back to like the Brian Leach days. 2012? Martin Broder. It might be 20- I know those two teams did meet in the playoffs a few times, but the Islanders at the same time in the same year... Remember the Islanders Recently, were rough for. I don't think that's happened. I'd have to. I'd have to check on that. I'm but pretty, yeah, that would be super cool, and I think there's a very realistic chance that that could happen. And let's look at the rest of the Metro quickly. Carolina, I think, will still be a good team. They're a team. They should be. Yeah. Pittsburgh. I'm. It, I. I know. I've said this for two years now, but. I, I'm with you, man. I, maybe this is the year because. We keep saying it's going to happen. They traded Mata, who's, I mean, you know, we have our issues with Oli Mata, but he's still a solid NHL defenseman. They traded Kessel for Golchenyuk, who I, I think Golchenyuk is overrated. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. This is the second time Golchenyuk's been traded in two seasons. So how about that? And he didn't really, he didn't do anything in Arizona. No. <laughs> no, there was hope when he was traded to Arizona that this is a fresh – uh, you know, a fresh start, new scenery, whatnot. Yeah. Young team. And he did nothing for them. Yeah, I don't know. I I think maybe this is the year Columbus, that Pittsburgh doesn't make it. Columbus has been decimated. To me, Columbus is clearly out. Clearly. Oh, yeah. And that's got to be tough if you're a Blue Jackets fan. Just three months ago, you had Panarin, Duchesne, and Bob Rosky all on one roster. And yeah. You know what? But they, you knew it was coming. Yeah. It, it was, you knew it before the season even ended. You know, the, the Panarin trips to Tampa Bay and New York, et cetera, and like the photos that circulated of him with the Rangers uh, gear when he was a kid. Um, Bobrovsky wasn't going to come back. That was no, like he didn't want to deal with torts. Well, I think he just well, felt. He's had a. He, he's wanted to get out of there for a while. Right. I think he just felt it was time to move on and uh, moved on to a very good Florida team now, I feel. And um, you know what? Now that Matt Duchesne is gone, I think Ottawa can officially say they won that trade. In yeah. a way. Because Matt – now, don't get me wrong. Matt Duchesne was pretty darn good in Columbus. But I uh, think – Yeah. Well, you know, for his, for his standards, by the time he got to the playoffs – He had a good run in the playoffs, yeah. And well, I think that's where – that's what people will remember from his time in Columbus. Yeah. But I think Ottawa got a pretty good return for him. And, you know, picks. Ottawa loves picks. Of course, we'll wait and see. But mm-hmm. right now I'm going to say Ottawa won a trade. And, and <laughs> I, you know what? I will take it because we don't often win trades right now. Yeah. After the Carlson trade and the Stone trade. Now, I will say we got an okay return for Stone. But that ripped my heart out of my chest. Oh, I, I, yeah, but that, that was tough. Even for me to, to see something like that, it's just like. But you know what? I think, uh, I think that the Metro is a little more defined going into next season than it w- was last year because there were a lot of teams going in to last season where we could say, yeah, they're good enough to do this, but are they really good enough to win 
and get into the playoffs. Where this year we've kind of got three or four teams where we can really say yes. Philadelphia, I'm not sold on at all. No. Yeah, they've got gritty, but gritty won't make the playoffs. (laughs) Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes is going to take them to the promised land. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, let's do this. So I guess uh, we'll start with the East. Who do you have number one in the East, in your opinion? Hmm. Number one in the East, I've still got Tampa Bay. Okay. Even without Braden Point, I still think they're a very good team. Now, if they don't, let's say Braden Point holds out like Nylander or even longer, which I could theoretically see him doing. I think he's a better player than Nylander. Oh, absolutely. But let's say that in this scenario, Point still holds out. I still think the Lightning are the best team. But, but they aren't going to win the East by, I forget how many points it was last team, but it was a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think yeah, it'll be they, dog- were, they were just rolling over everyone. I think it's a dogfight. I really think it'll be a dogfight. I think teams like Toronto have gotten better. Mm-hmm. I know that can, that'll be debated amongst you Leaf fans, but I, th- I do see the Leafs as not significantly better. But I they're think, definitely better. Yeah, they're definitely better. I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's kind of a wait and see thing. You don't know how well these players are going to fit in. But I mean, based on everything I know about Tyson Berry and Kerfoot and uh, you know, potentially Neuvirth or someone else as the backup goalie, much better than Garrett Sparks. Garrett Sparks was awful. I loved it when you guys brought him to Ottawa because. We got two free wins. He was so bad. And they had a tough call to make on him or McElhaney because McElhaney is a guy who was proven as a backup. And I was all McElhaney all the time, but they felt that they saw something in this Sparks kid. And that was one of the bad moves Dubas has made. But you know what? He's gone to Vegas now or their farm team or whatever. And now we... We'll have some other backup. Maybe it's Hutchison. Maybe it's Neuverth. All I know is it's better than Sparks. And he cost us games last year. Absolutely. Hmm. So my number one, as much as I hate to say this because I do not like them, but I respect them extremely, uh, is Boston, number one. Really? Yeah. I think they found their stride kind of at the halfway point of the season, and they were just dominant. And they would have tough games against teams like Tampa and Toronto and, you know, the Capitals, teams like that. But if you look at the rest of their season, it was outstanding. And they haven't really lost much. I mean, you did lose, uh, like, a couple guys, but I don't think anything major. Um, I'm going to put them number one. Okay. And then who do you see winning the Metro? Let's say that's the Atlantic and they win the, they win the East. Who do you have winning the Metro? Because the Metro, because let's be honest, in the Atlantic you still have your top three, and then you could put Montreal with four, and then I put Buffalo and Florida as teams on the rise bubble. But yeah. in the in the Metro, there's I'd yeah, say it's I don't know. much tougher, and I really have a good feeling about the Rangers. I really do. Oh, I think the Rangers are are in a position to be a very dangerous team because. Basically, they have gone from a team that was rebuilding uh, and hoping for a good draft pick, and they had an excellent year for who they had on the roster, 
when you think about it. They had excellent goaltending from Georgiev and Lundqvist. And now I think they're, they brought in Shosturkin from Russia, who's one of their top goalie prospects. And it remains to be seen whether him or Georgiev plays with Lundqvist. But either way, that is outstanding goaltending. And Panarin, Kako, Truba, you bought out Shattenkirk, see ya. <laughs> you got like, Zibanejad. I mean, this is a super good team. I really have a good feeling about the Rangers. Now, you know what? I don't know if they're going to click right away, but I think once they get going, that's a tough team to beat. I just, I don't see, uh, when it comes down to it, do you think the Capitals or the Islanders or the Devils or even the Hurricanes, do you think any of those four teams, let's say they really click, and I think they will. Let's say those four teams, do you really think they're better than the best the Rangers can be? No. And exactly. I think you and I, even though it might be a bit of a bold pick, I think we both believe they're the best team in the Metro right now. Mm-hmm. Now, it all comes down to how they click. And I think this is a team with good chemistry. I think the Rangers have really done a good job. I wouldn't even call it a rebuild. I'd call it a retool. Oh, it, well, it went from a rebuild to a, to a championship contender. Almost. Oh, exactly. And, um, and made, they had some lucky breaks. Yeah. You know, they, they somehow the got Kako, and that was—he might be better than Hughes. Hmm. You we'll, and I we'll had see. that debate. We'll see. But what we do know is he's more NHL-ready than Hughes. He's a bigger body, and he's better at scoring goals. Hmm. Other than that, um, and he— you know, he's probably going to play in their top six, maybe on line one. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is a kid who's going to make some tremendous impact in his first year. You're talking about line A uh, level of scoring, in my opinion. Now, if we move to the Central, hmm. this is actually a pretty easy pick for me. I really <laughs> think Colorado can win the Central. I think they will. I think, oh, uh-huh. Now, look, I know there's some good teams in the Central. But, I yeah I think I think you probably should take Colorado but don't sleep on Dallas Dallas is very good oh I know but Colorado is a younger team we've seen the we've seen what they can do and I think that Colorado really could be a powerhouse in the West next year and oh I, yeah I mean I they're they're a powerhouse for years to come absolutely and so are you in agreement with me Colorado winning the Central yeah. I think number two, I'd have St. Louis, and then a close third, Dallas. I don't think Winnipeg makes the playoffs this year. Um, I think Winnipeg will be competitive. And I'm, I don't know about Calgary this year either. But then I look at the rest of their division, and it's, it's not great. It's not good. <laughs> they might just squeak in. I think to that third spot. Well, who wins the Pacific then? Because the, San Jose. Well, I don't know because. It depends how healthy San Jose is. I I think and even really if they have some injuries, they're still clearly the best team in that division. You know division. what? To be fair, injuries are the X factor across the league. Yeah. But I, I still like Vegas. I think that Vegas will be a great team. I think it comes between Vegas and San Jose. I think Calgary could squeak in third. But if you... And this pains me as a Flames fan. <laughs> but I, I got to say it. When you look at Calgary compared to Vancouver, I think Vancouver is a team on the rise. Can we just talk about how bad this division is real quick? (laughs) You've got the top three, Arizona, Vancouver, 
Anaheim, Edmonton, L.A. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? Arizona is a team that has some potential, too. But between Vancouver and Arizona, I like what Vancouver's done more. I think Vancouver's uh, got... Mm, don't maybe. Sleep, don't sleep on Vancouver. I Because I, I, I think that they've got something cooking out there. All right, so let's talk bubble teams now. Bubble teams in the East... Who do you like for those final two wild card spots? Can we be bold here? You can do whatever you All like. Right. I like Buffalo. And I know. I, I see your face. But if we're in the middle of the offseason, I can be bold. We need sure. something exciting. Sure. And in my in my heart, do I see Buffalo making the playoffs? No, not really. But it doesn't mean I can't say they have a shot at it. Because I think... Buffalo is a team that has been on that we've been wondering where they've been for so long because they've got they've got some solid players in Buffalo. But uh, yeah. But have they ever really been able to put it together? I Not just yet. think I just think for me this is just my opinion. Until you've got Lukanen in there, who he's probably going to be there next year, not this year. That's when the Buffalo Sabres really start being dangerous. I don't know. I, I don't know if Carter Hutton is your guy. I don't know. I think Lukanen might be able to crack in this year. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's I, a it's a long shot, I and think, that's why I'm making it the bold prediction. I see. I see. So you think Lukanen may play this year? Maybe. I and, mean, that's definitely possible. And you know what? We gotta have maybe uh, have like a Vasilevsky like impact. Yeah, and okay. you know what? You've got to have. You've got to have your bold prediction now, too. Okay. Do, do I think Buffalo will make the playoff? And really, I don't think so. But it doesn't mean I can't be bold and say something like that. Okay. Um, I, I don't know how bold this is, but well, we're going to say a couple things here. First of all, I fully believe the Pittsburgh Penguins will not make the playoffs this year. Not happening. Now, to me, the wild card spots in the East come down to three teams. Montreal, Florida, and New Jersey. Of those three teams, I think Montreal is on the outside looking in. I think you've got New Jersey and Florida as the final two. I think Florida is going to surprise a lot of people next year. Not as much as I mean, they would have in the They've got a goalie. I know. They haven't had, a good, they haven't had good goaltending. Not even like average. They've had basically average to below average goaltending for four or five years now, and it has cost them games. Now you've got you've improved the roster. You've added Strawman and Bobrovsky, who's a great goalie in you've his prime. You've got Coach Q. You've got the new coach who looks like the logo. I don't know if you've seen that yep. picture. <laughs> um, they're serious about winning, and I believe that. They're hungry for the playoffs. They're a determined team. And I don't know how much love they, they get as a team that is going to make the playoffs or not, but I think this team is going to play with a chip on their shoulder all year. And to me, uh, I think Barkov has a solid shot to potentially lead the league in points this year. He's that good. Florida will certainly be chipping at a playoff spot. Yeah. They may even be able to get in the top three in the Atlantic if they, if everything goes right for them. 
Okay, now let's talk West. West bubble teams. Oh, well, this is a bit tougher. Yeah. Because, especially in the Pacific, because you've got kind of three teams that are, at, you know, good enough to make the playoffs. I'd say average, right? And then you kind of got everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think for, first of all, I think they're going to come out of the Central. I don't see a... I don't see... I could see the Central sweeping the wild cards this year. At the okay. Ra- at the rate the Pacific is going. Now, of course, this this is August, and a lot of things are going to happen. But as it stands right now, I think... You and I are generally in agreement on our top, our top three in the central. Yep. I got to put Chicago in there. I think that Chicago has done enough to improve. Where you know, even last season, going down the stretch, they were good enough. Where they were in wild card, shouting distance for a little while. And I think the moves that Stan Bowman has made in Chicago, have put them in a playoff spot. Now it's not going to be top three. But a wild card is a playoff spot. And mm-hmm. you know what the Hawks can do when they get in the playoffs. So I think the Hawks are in there. And then the second wild card is where it gets tough because there's yeah really a bunch of teams where you could say they're good, but how good are they? You know, a team like Winnipeg, right? Where now I know you said Winnipeg is on the outside looking in. But let, let's hypothetically – Set things up here. Let's say the top three have been claimed. Uh, well, sorry. Uh, to clear things up, I kind of meant in their division. I think, like you said, uh, if you look at the rest of the teams that are competing for that spot, I don't know if I'm be, I'd be able to say the Winnipeg Jets aren't better than those teams. Now, there's a lot of turnover in Winnipeg. You've got Truba gone. Uh, you haven't signed all these RFAs yet. You have a new defenseman, Pionk, who's not nearly as good as Truba. Uh, there's an infusion of young players coming, like Christian Veselainen, uh, Sammy Niku, who are good young players. You don't know how good Hellebuck is going to be. He's kind of been up and down since that great year. Um, but like you said, you look at the rest of the teams. Can you honestly say that the Winnipeg Jets still aren't a better team than Vancouver or Arizona? No. And or I, Nashville, I think they're better than Nashville. Yeah, and I think I think Nashville is going to be on a downturn next year. That's why I, I haven't even mentioned them yet. Yeah. And yeah, they've got Matt Duchesne, but really, all their centers, in my opinion, are solid second line centers. Oh, you traded PK Subban for nothing. Yeah. Like you, Severson's a solid defenseman, but he's not anywhere near PK Subban. No. Uh, and. Yossi's great, and he, he'll be able to quarterback that power play. But still, trading away a defenseman like P.K. Subban for a guy who's basically kind of borderline top four maybe in Severson uh, is is a big loss for them. And I don't know how much better they are than they were after signing Duchesne. Now let's go to the opposite end quickly. Yeah. Who's going to be dead last next year? And I have a feeling <laughs> you and I are thinking the exact same team. Are we, though? That's a good question. I don't think we are. Mm. Who do you well, think? The Los Angeles Kings. I still think it'll be Ottawa. I, I, would, I don't know. 
the LA Kings are so bad. They're basically just a bunch of overpaid veterans that play with a very below average rest of the team. Like, can you even name off the top of your head who the left wing on Anshay Kopitar's side is? Not anymore. Carter's not even close to what he is. He's basically a liability at this point. Quick is good when he's healthy, but he's injured a lot. Doughty, same thing. He's he's good, but they don't really have a lot of other defensemen. They traded Muzzin last year. I think Ottawa's better than them. You know what? You flipped me. I, I agree. I think uh, Now, I don't think Ottawa is going to be anywhere out of the bottom five. Mm. But Ottawa's got a decent mo- youth movement going on. I think most people would agree that it won't happen this year, and maybe not even next year. But in three in three years, Ottawa could be a solid team, depending on how Eugene Melnick does things. Yeah, I mean that's always the X factor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but oh well, you know An- Anaheim isn't any better than Ottawa. It, that's the other team. There's three teams that are going to be gunning for that Lafreniere, <laughs> and he's going to be a hell of a player. Absolutely, I would love. A Lafreniere jersey with the Ottawa Senators. That would look pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think people would be pretty happy with that, no matter what happens. Oh yeah, but you know, it, it's always fun to predict this early on because you could make any prediction. I could predict right now the Senators could win the Stanley Cup, <laughs> and I could probably make an argument for it. I'm not going to do that because I know no. they won't. No. But really, <laughs> hypothetically, we could make an argument for any team. Now, the last few minutes or so, yeah, we're going to switch over to Major League Baseball for a few minutes because okay. we've been talking about bad NHL trades for an hour. Oh, boy. But we got to talk about bad Major League Baseball trades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to compare the Wild to the Blue Jays, right? You've got these guys who you want to trade, but you get a very underwhelming return for them. <laughs> I mean, they're like... I don't know if, if there's a comp- – I'm trying to think of a comparable. There is no comparison. And they're the Blue but Jays. But basically, they know how to draft and develop prospects, but that's all they know. They mm. don't know how to do anything else. They don't know how to hire a staff. They don't know how to hire a good manager. They don't – especially, they don't know how to make trades. I mean, the fact that you traded Aaron Sanchez for a guy who hasn't even cracked the major leagues and was at one time – a good power prospect, but has completely plummeted in the Houston system. And they were probably just like, let's call the Blue Jays and offer this for that, and maybe we'll get him. Hmm. And I recognize Aaron Sanchez has had a bad year, and he's had issues with blisters and all that. I get it. But he's still a young player. He still has a lot of talent, and he just gave him away for absolutely nothing. And he was the best player on— And then there's Strowman. (laughs) For two guys who are, not even I, I, I was listening to Mets fans talk about this trade, and the best reaction I heard was, the Mets have top pitching prospects, and I was like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. No, and I, you know, and we all kind of knew the Stroman deal was coming. Here's the other thing that I don't like about this, and I think this says a lot about how sly and sneaky and manipulative Blue Jays management is. You don't say to Marcus Stroman, this is your time, buddy. You're going to the bright lights and trade him to the New York Mets. That's like Artemi Panarin getting traded to like... 
Jersey. No. Uh, I'm trying to, like, the Anaheim Ducks at the trade deadline. Go see the bright lights of California, <laughs> Panarin. When there's, like, I don't know, millions of better teams. Like, I don't know. And I, I, I love that they have Guerrero and Bichette and they have some good young players, but I'll tell you what, this team is not going to be successful if they continue to manage players and trade them away for absolutely zilch. And you know what's bad? <sighs> when Steve Simmons writes an article about the Blue Jays, I can agree with. He... Steve Simmons, you agree with something Steve Simmons <laughs> said? Wow, that is... That's telling, right? Yeah. Okay, well, he wrote in... It wasn't yesterday. It was the day before. I should have brought it in for you. Mm. But he basically wrote in the Toronto Sun saying that Shapiro and Atkins have completely mismanaged the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. And in a way where it's one thing to rebuild when you're, and you're trading off players and getting decent assets in return. You've got nothing in return. Yeah. You essentially got nothing. And in Steve Simmons' own words, the Blue Jays are much worse now than they were a few days ago. No question. And Atkins and Shapiro should have been fired last season, and it is what he thinks. Because he yeah. thinks, ever since I've gotten here, they've taken a World Series contending team and turned them into what they are now. Now, I didn't quite agree with that because I think the Blue Jays were inevitably going to go on a downspin. But ever since that downspin happened in 2017, the Blue Jays... The Blue Jays' management hasn't done much. I think they kept around John Gibson, John Gibbons for far too long. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mind Charlie Montoyo, but I don't know if he's quite head manager material quite yet. Yeah. And, you know, they, they've they lost a lot of players. You know, the only player left from 2015 is Justin Smoke. Who I was going to say Smoke, yeah. And... Who knows how long he's going to be here? I know the deadline has passed. Oh, he's going to be gone yeah. probably in the summer. He, he's, I think he was supposed to be traded, but then teams made moves and he wasn't mm -hmm. high on the list. But the offseason will come and someone will offer the Blue Jays nothing and they'll take it, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I'm not expecting to get back guys like Mike Trout for Barks, Marcus Stroman. Of course not. Get something. Yeah, you got to get Get a top 50 prospect in Baseball America, right? Uh, I don't know. And look, it's not like these guys don't know how to negotiate. or Maybe they don't. <laughs> I don't think they have a clue. I think that's why they were released in Cleveland is the Cleveland owners saw that, yes, these guys could build a great prospect pool, and they did. Lindor, Ramirez, like all the guys you see on the Cleveland Indians roster now, those are guys that they drafted and developed. But they didn't have a clue how to manage the major league roster. And the owners wanted to win a championship. They almost did. And they let them go. And for some reason, the Blue Jays felt these guys were right for the job. Mm -hmm. And again, like you said, they've been there far too long. And they're continuing to just strip this roster. This, this is becoming an Ottawa Senators-level roster where you've just got top prospects, and then average players. Mm. And that's very concerning. And you know what? The Sens are almost in a better position than the Blue Jays are. Because, you know, <laughs> for all the flack we give Melnick and Pierre Dorian, Pierre Dorian's a smart scout. And I think he's working towards something. It's The only reason that he's getting flack is because Eugene Melnick's penny binging. Yeah. I think Pierre Dorian knows what he wants to do. He just has to do it within the, 
budget where Atkins and Shapiro, I'm sure if they wanted to, they could probably go to Rodgers and say, we, we have an idea. We want to sign Guerrero and Biggio and all those guys to long-term deals now, and we want to start building so in a couple years we can have a great team. But I don't see them doing that. I don't see them doing that at all. And the only thing they've promised is they were going to do Skydome. They were going to remake it. Rogers Center, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. And they they aren't doing that. That makes no sense either because you can say, you know, for the Tampa Bay race, for example, like they're clearly in financial issues. They have financial issues, their ownership. They're a well-managed team, like roster-wise. They have a good front office. But they don't have enough money for a new stadium, and no one's willing to give that kind of money. Rodgers has a crap ton of money and they haven't even thought about building a new stadium because they don't want to spend it. But let me tell you something, your fans are getting fed up and I'm telling you, you're losing fans by the day. And until something happens that's positive with this Blue Jays team, besides prospects, that's going to continue to happen. You can only sell hope for so long. Yeah. And you know what? They, they, I think they got to move quickly on it because there are still some plots of land in downtown Toronto that could be used for a new stadium. But you and I both know from going to Toronto that those pieces of land are going to go very quickly. Oh, yeah. And you, you got to get on top of this. Even if you aren't going to start building tomorrow, you got to say we've secured land and we're going to build a new stadium in five years. Okay, great. Just keep that land and build the stadium. Mm. but if you don't do that soon, eventually the stadium's going to be like the Senators where it's going to have to get built out in Thornhill or Markham mm-hmm. or, or one of the suburbs of Toronto. Yeah. And people are willing to commute for Blue Jays games, but not to see a sucky team. The one, no. One, the no. one thing about the Blue Jays that's great is you, is you can get off the Via train or a flight and you can go right to downtown Toronto and you can go right to the Rogers Center and watch yeah. a game. Yeah. But you can't do that if it's out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And to, to wrap on that, I think that the Rogers Center, it, it is an, a landmark of Toronto. And I think it's a great convention center. I could see them using it as a shopping mall convention center after baseball. But it's not really... Well, they, they do use it as that mm-hmm. when they're well, that's away. Re- well, that's really what it's meant for. Right? It's more... <laughs> yeah. Because at the time when they built it, at the indoor stadiums were all the rage. Look at the Astrodome yep. and Blue Jays Stadium, you know, Tropicana Field. But nowadays, if you look at Major League Baseball stadiums being built, a majority of them are outside. Mm-hmm. Because that's what baseball is. It's meant to be an outside game. There's rain delays. That's part of baseball. That's been part of baseball for hundreds of years. You don't just have a dome that closes... And you just outweigh rain delays. And that's fu- not how it works. The funniest thing is the dome doesn't even really work anymore. That, that's the other thing. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's, it works like half the time they're doing maintenance on it or it doesn't close properly. Or... And I, I, I hate, I'll admit, I know it's been really hot here in Ontario mm-hmm. and in most of the world. But I hate it when I go to the Rogers Center. On a nice sunny day, you know, it's 28, 29, and the dome's closed. Because <laughs> they can't open it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's part of baseball. 
And if that means you have to schedule more night games, then schedule more night games. Nobody's going to complain. I love Saturday nights out of the ballpark. Yeah. It's a great way to spend the night. Yeah. But I think it's something that needs to be done. I think it'll help boost the Blue Jays. And think about, I know some people from Rogers may be listening. So take it from us. And this is free we're advice. Not, we're not afraid to tell you how we feel. Yeah. We've made that very clear. I guarantee you, if we if we went around Toronto and said, do the Blue Jays need a new stadium? A lot of baseball fans would say yes. Mm. And from my experience at the Rogers Center, if you've never been to the Rogers Center, eh, it's eh. It's very mediocre thing, by baseball stadium The thing standards. is, the 100 bowl is okay. But as soon as you step up into the you know 200-level bleachers, 500 deck or whatever it's called. Yeah. I find the stadium gets transported back 30 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, still all the old tile and TVs and bathrooms. Yeah. and Yeah. There's not a whole lot of space for people to walk around. Mm-hmm. And I went on a day when it was quiet. So I can only imagine when it's busy. And I think it's just something that needs to be done. All right. Yeah, no, I'm in full agreement with you on that one. Anything else before we wrap up here? I want to touch on NHL 20 for a couple minutes mm-hmm. because you were telling me that the demo was out last week and I completely missed it. And yeah. I, I watched some of the NHL gameplay and there are a few things that look better, but overall I find the game modes are nothing new. Um, well, first of all, here's, here's something that I didn't like about the beta. Overall, I was actually fairly happy with it, but again... This is a two-month-old beta, so if you played it, you got to remember that. The game is going to be completely different at launch, and they're going to tune it to death, most likely, as they do every single year. But the fact that you couldn't even play like a little practice mode where you skate around with your guy, you practice deeks, they couldn't even add that in. All they had in was World of Chell, so like uh, 1v1 or 6v6, 3v3, um online versus that was it that that was the whole beta essentially so like if you don't enjoy one of those things chances are you'd play it for a bit and then you'd stop playing it and in my case i played i think it was like 10 versus games and it was okay but you know how people are online they kind of drive me up the wall sometimes oh yeah um from but uh, i will say this i think from playing the beta, they have improved one thing a lot, and that's like the puck pickups are much smoother. So, for example, uh, the last two years, ever since they really launched on new gen, the puck pickups have been terrible. Like, but this year, um, the players pick up the puck very well. So, so for example, um, all these players have these new shooting animations. So like Ovechkin's patented one time or Stamkos burns, and you can only do it with certain players. Um, so that's kind of cool. And the fact that every shot is different is also cool. So for example, every shot looked the same last year, right? A one timer was the exact same on every single play, but this year it's different. So for example, if you pass to a guy, I don't know, uh, on a breakaway and it's a two on one, it's not just a generic cross crease tap in. He'll do like an animation where he'll reach for it with a backhand and he'll tip it in or something like that. So I like that they've added stuff like that. And I think overall, um, 
the gameplay did feel pretty good. But like I said, I I don't know how good it's going to be at launch. I have a feeling it's going to be underwhelming. And the other thing that I really don't like <laughs> is the commentary. You went from uh, Doc, Ray, and Eddie, who are like, I think a fairly good, you know, trio to Ray and James Sabolski. Now, James Sabolski is a not a super well-known broadcaster, I would say. No. Um, and he's basically screaming at the top of his lungs the entire game. So let me give you an example. Panarin in, and Panarin over the pass across, and Brady Shea. Oh, it's David. It's like it's it's like he he's like on. He something. wants to jump out of his chair. It's crazy. And I like the fact that Ray Ferraro gets more involved. Like he's kind of a the second play by play guy, which I love. He's actually I love doing some analysis. Ray Ferraro. But I'll tell you this much: I turned the commentary off after one game. That was it. Back to sound effects. That was it. Well, here's what I really want out of NHL 20 because I know they're not going to improve, be a pro or anything like that. No, uh, I really like them to just get cut down on the glitch goals and make NH online NHL a more enjoyable experience. Because, and maybe it's from playing with you. I'm kidding, but from when we played threes and and I'd say a couple months ago we got really into threes. We had nothing to do and. Mm. Yeah, and, we got pretty competitive. Yeah, and here, here's the no thing. No one plays the game straight up. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Here's no the, one's willing to play just a straight-up game. And I find every time I play someone in NHL, whether it's in Versus or something else, and they play just a straightforward game, I will tell them after, you know what? I appreciate you. I love how you play the game. And nobody that happens once out of 100 and it, you appreciate moments like that, but then you play another game and you play some guy who never controls his defense and he sets his AI up to the highest pressure and he like AI switches on you and all he does is glitch goals. It's like, that's not fun. what's the point? That's not even hockey. And the, we found in threes we had that a lot where yeah. people would basically use their computer. Well... The thing is, though, in threes, if we had a goalie, someone who could play goalie, it wouldn't be that way because you can't glitch goal a human goalie. Mm. That does, that's not a thing, right? So uh, maybe that's something. The we only try other this thing year. I want them to add online, besides a reporting tool, let's say a lot of people were reporting this guy for being a bad player. Yeah, I think EA they do should, have that kind, but of. they don't really use it. Well, they ha- like I've if, there's a Reddit uh, that will release that kind of information, but. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The only other thing I want is a, a ESHL threes practice mode. It needs to happen. Oh, that would be cool. Because there were a lot of times where you, Gabe, and I, mm-hmm. we were getting ready for a big game, mm-hmm. and we wanted to work on some plays, but we couldn't because there's no practice mode. Yeah, they used to have that in old gen, but guess what? Rammer says, no, no, we don't have that. We don't want people to have fun. I miss GM Connected, too. I know not everybody liked GM Connected, but I used to play in a big league with a bunch of guys, and we had a great time. Yeah, GM well, Connected was a fun thing. Or, Absolutely. Uh, or you know what? Remember uh, Live the Life in NHL 14 when they put it in at the last minute with, with the uh, cut with the cut scenes? I'm using quotation marks here because 
<laughs> it wasn't really cutscenes. It was just you. You are out at dinner with your teammates, and a young fan comes to you and <laughs> wants an autograph. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you pick your options. One way or another, you're going to upset somebody. Right, right. And you know what? I As much as those were kind of annoying, I appreciate the effort. They wanted to try something new. Mm. And the thing is, just to wrap on NHL quickly, in my opinion, of the major sports games that EA releases annually, I think NHL is the worst. NHL and, and Madden are basically I know they're tied about on for co worst. But at least in They're Madden. basically the same, except like for example, um I I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've I've been told that they've made um in Madden, what was it called? Uh long shot. They've made it exceedingly difficult. So like the only way to be able to do well at it is to be super good at the game. And, like, what's the point of that? I mean, the whole point, in my opinion, of a be a pro mode is kind of either you're a high draft pick or a low draft pick, and you work your way there. And it shouldn't – sure, it should take time and effort, right? But it shouldn't be a, ch- a super big challenge to play. They should reward you for your dedication to it, you know? You know what's great? My career in NBA. Yeah. Because yeah, you start out as a low-level draft pick and you work your way up. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people say my career nowadays is full microtransactions, but it's still better than what oh, EA is offering. It was a million times better. And I think people who just play NBA and complain about that don't <laughs> realize how bad it can be with EA. And I know there are people out there who buy NBA and basically play NBA. It's their only sports game. But, wow. I yeah. could not do that. Oh, I know a lot of people like that. Really? And, yeah. And... I, I guess I'm just not that into basketball. No, but you know. Uh, but it uh, is a it is a quality game. I mean, you can't argue that. Like they've got the GM mode. You can play like their version of EASHL, which is much better, by the way. Everything's better about it's it. It's polished too. Yeah. The presentation is. And guess who fantastic. makes it? Two K, not mm. EA. And you know what? The presentation in Two K is so much better. Oh yeah. It, it looks like you're watching an NBA game. I remember my grandparents came downstairs once. We oh, wait, I forgot to tell you one thing. about. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to find this hilarious right. because this is literally the stupidest thing they have ever done. I swear. The scoreboard is on the bottom of the screen <laughs> when you play. Well, like, who decided this was a good idea? Have you ever watched... A hockey game where the scoreboard was at the bottom of the screen. It's always in the corner or along the top. It makes no sense. It's so weird. I have a feeling they'll fix that before long. Oh, they better. Or they're going to be a lot of unhappy people. They're going to be forced to fix it, I think. But just to wrap on NBA, the presentation is so much better. Yeah. It looks like you're watching a real NBA. Or MLB. MLB is the pinnacle oh, yeah. of sports it, games right mm, now. I just don't want to spend $500 on a PlayStation to play Major League Baseball. Well, I mean, if you bought a PlayStation and sold your Xbox, you could probably come close to breaking even. Probably, if you wanted but is to. it really worth it? It depends. It depends if you're, I don't know, like, I think... Switching would be worth it if you don't really play like Xbox exclusives. So uh, which for you me, and I do. Do I? Well, you play kind of. Yeah. Not not majorly, right? I mean, neither of us are like huge gamers. We kind of just 
game casually, I would say. Mm. Uh, once in a while, we really get into a game and play it a lot. Like I did that with, what was it? Fallout. Assassin's Creed, Origins, or Fallout. Yeah. But most of the time, you'll play a game and you won't really fully get into it. You'll play it a bit, you'll try it out, mm. and then you'll say, nah. But I... <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I still have my Major League 2K games. And they still oh, yeah. they still hold up pretty well. I have well, mm-hmm. I remember you and I got to play Major League Baseball 2K12 once. And it was okay. No, the 2K games were were pretty solid, yeah. And and they were great, but they they were good. I still have my NHL 2K games. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob Cole on the mic. That was great. Like why couldn't they get like uh I don't know what was that guy's name. Um, oh, the Sharks Sharks broadcaster, Randy Hahn. Mm. Randy Hahn in 2K was one of the best they had. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that they're so up and down with their commentary choices? First, you have like you go back to like the days when Vancouver was really good. They had Jim Houston. He was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then you had Randy Hahn. Then you had Gary Thorne. I love Gary. Those Thorne. were three really good commentary duos and then you had uh uh you now have the current team yeah or the you know which i don't know why people would ever complain about doc emmerich he's like the best hockey broadcaster maybe of all time the fact that people actually complained about him to me is just stupid if you don't like it turn it off Hmm. don't complain about doc emmerich i will purchase any sort of pass or whatever on NHL to watch Doc Emmerich call the playoffs Mm. every year because he's the best. Mm. Um, But now you go to like James Cebulski and Ray Ferraro, like it doesn't make any sense. Maybe, I'm going to throw this out there, maybe no one wanted to do it. Maybe they asked all these guys and they were like not interested. Well, it's a lot of time. So you settle for James Cebulski, which to be honest is very mediocre. You know what? Uh, from what I've heard, it's a lot of time. That, that's why James Houston doesn't do it anymore. You, you spend months in the recording studio and all sorts of different lines and stuff. And it's very, it's a, it's a very much a grind. But you know what? You and I, if they ever need somebody, you and I have done <laughs> color and play-by-play together, and we will take the contract to do it. <laughs> but I think that's a good way to wrap. All right. Well, uh, again, thanks everyone for listening. It was great to be back and doing the show. Uh, might be our last from this studio. We'll see. Uh, it's we had a lot of fun. We talked pretty much all the trades that went down. Re-ranked the teams in the East and West, including some bold predictions. And we also talked about the state of the Toronto Blue Jays, which isn't very good at all. You know where to find us. Find us on Spotify, SoundCloud iTunes, Google Play. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everyone.